All right. Well, welcome to Pillar Church of Oceanside. You're welcome. Um, if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Trace. I'm one of the pastors here, and today is Big Sunday. So the first Sunday of the month, we have a family service, and typically we're outside. And as we were praying for earlier, just the, the blessing of air conditioning, we figured let's just go inside because that's a smart thing to do. Um, some of you are at home in extremely disgusting weather like it is outside right now. In Southern California, we are not. Um, and sometimes we get reminded of that in very interesting ways. Um, last night, thankfully, at our house, the power went off at uh, 10 o'clock at night and didn't come back on until 3.30 this morning. So I think the Lord was just using that to remind me and my family of how blessed we truly are to be able to flip a switch and have a light come on or a fan, or if you're super blessed, air conditioning and these kinds of things. So... Um, yeah, if something is weird today or doesn't make sense of what I'm saying, I didn't get a lot of sleep, so just bear. No, I'm just kidding. It's 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 um, it's it's good to be here with you guys this morning, and I'm super encouraged um, by what the Lord is doing here in this church. Let me just, by way of direction, there's a table back there. So if any of the children would like to go back there and use that to to write on and take notes. When the service is over, you can take your notes that you've been taking during the service, and you can go to Miss Mary right here. She's got the treasure box, and she will review your notes and then uh, allow you to take something from the treasure box. So that doesn't apply to anybody over the age of 10, I guess, or 12. So if you were thinking adults, you can go. Adults are able to. Teenagers, okay. Teen adults, if you want to take your notes and show them to me, that's cool. I will let you... There's okay, so lollipops are good. What about young marines? Can we do that? Young marines? <clears throat> yes. Show your um, show your notes to Mike <laughs> if you really want to. Okay, so here's what we got going on. Family service. I'm gonna try to be as um, succinct as possible, but we're we're on part two of a sermon series or sermon, I should say. We've been in this series, which is called the Language of Faith, as many of you know. We're kind of just taking turns and topics that we want to just distill a little bit more, maybe dispel some rumors, or, or just get on the same page about certain things. And so last week, we talked about first disciple. What is a disciple? We, we worked to define what that is, and then we transitioned into um, disciple making. So if you weren't here last week, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that, because this message will make a lot more sense. Uh, I spent a lot of time setting up some things for today. Um, not that today is going to be... Um, not useful. I'm hoping that it's very useful. But if you're looking for like the scriptural, biblical support and evidence of what we're doing, that was kind of last week. This week is more like practical, hands-on. Here's some things you can do right now to begin to develop a lifestyle of discipleship. And so, let me just a few points from last week before we dive in. The first is was that Jesus spent a lot of his time, a lot of his three years in his earthly ministry, making disciples. He did a lot of other things, but through his teaching, through his equipping, through his sending, through his correcting, he was raising up disciples in order for them to carry on the message and build the church. That's what he spent a majority of his time doing. And he discipled these young men and women into a relationship with him. Into a relationship with him. So that was number one. Number two is being a disciple of Jesus means following his example. 
Would you agree with that? Yeah. Good, because I spent too much time last week explaining that and kind of really um, just leaning in on that. Because I, I think if, if we are to be disciples of Jesus, which means following his example, then we ought to do what he did. And he made disciples. Not, did he, not only did he make disciples, but he made disciples who what? Made disciples. So there's this idea of spiritual multiplication happening. Um, and, and again, not just following his example in terms of behavior. Like, yeah, we try to live godly lives, pleasing to him according to things that he has instructed us to do. But mainly in the idea of what we're here to do is make disciples and glorify him through that. Um, we also said that loving Jesus means keeping his commandments. Right? Jesus said multiple times, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. We talked about the idea of obedience and how that's kind of like a negative term in today's culture, like obedience. Uh, I don't want to talk about that. But when we look at it from a biblical perspective, we see that obedience is actually an act of love, an act of joy, and an act of faith. And none of those things are inherently bad. We've just begun to label obedience in this sort of weird way today. Um, and then lastly, he told us to make disciples. That's the Great Commission. That's Matthew 28, right? Go, therefore, and make disciples. So I argued last week that one of our primary roles here on this earth, in this life, is spiritual multiplication. It is to make disciples who make disciples. So that was a really quick synopsis of last week. Again, it's on the website if you want to go listen to it. I encourage you to. Um, so we're picking up from there and moving forward. But I'm going to pause, ask for the Lord's help um, to deliver the message today, and then we'll continue. So would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for uh, another day of life. God, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together as your church. I'm so grateful for all those that are here this morning. And God, just that you are you're worthy, God, of everything that we have to give. Every bit of sacrifice, every bit of ourselves that we have to lay down to seek and accomplish the things that you're calling us to, Lord, you're worth all of it. And so I pray this morning that you would still our hearts and, and focus our attention on some of the practical tools that I believe you've been um, revealing to, to your people for um, developing this lifestyle, Lord God, that, that you have called us to glorifying you through obedience and making disciples who make disciples. So, God, I pray for your help this morning. I thank you for your grace and your favor. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, if you have questions this morning, anything you hear, you can text that number, and Mike and I will come up here after the message, and we'll, um, we'll work to answer those questions for you. So, <clears throat> I did want to just offer a few things, because... Some of the things I said last week, I feel like maybe there was some, some question marks in your mind, and I just wanted to kind of um, clear up some things, perhaps. One is that um, Christians learning about God, <laughs> about studying the Bible and, and reading and learning and growing, is massively important. Uh, I talked about the idea of discipleship not being just about accumulating knowledge, but how a lot of ministries and even churches today define discipleship as growing in their knowledge of God, and it ends there. As long as you're growing in understanding of who God is, you're a disciple and you're doing, you're doing fine. So I don't want to discount that in any way, shape, or form. We all must continue to grow and learn and understand the Bible and understand who God is. That is, that is essential. 
But it is a means and not an end. Right? The means by which we learn more about who he is to more fervently and more joyfully go out and make him known. Does that make sense? Okay, just, just making sure you're tracking with me. The more we know and understand about God and who he is, the more we desire to bring people along with us in getting to know him even more. That's why we exist as a church, is it not? To, to, to know him and what? It's not just a catchy phrase, right? Know him personally through our study of the word, through our meeting together in small groups and discipleship and all those kinds of things in order to make him known. So yes, discipleship, it absolutely includes bringing other believers along in their journey through studying and reading the word. Yes, but I would argue that if discipling other Christians doesn't include some act aspect of practical application, that is obedience, especially in the area of making other disciples, then I would say there's something missing, majorly missing from that process. If all it is is a knowledge-based discipleship, there's a big piece of the puzzle missing in the action obedience aspect. And then there are some people that may be asking questions, well, what about everything else we're supposed to do as Christians, right? Aren't we supposed to <clears throat> serve the poor and take care of widows and orphans and, and, and advocate for mercy and justice? And I would say yes, <laughs> absolutely, but it's also a part of what I'm talking about. It's a lifestyle of discipleship. So as you're going and serving the poor, as you're ministering to widows and orphans, you're out there looking for people from among those groups that you are ministering to, people among the harvest that Jesus, as we learned last week, says is plentiful, right? There's many out there who are ready for the harvest. Those whom God has already brought around you that we would meaningfully engage as we're going. But I think if we're, if we're not careful, this can become a good idea. It's not something that we practically live out. And that's what I want to discuss today. How do we practically live this out and build a lifestyle of disciple making. So I want to give you my main idea first, and then I'll revisit it at the end. So if you're listening at all, right, or you're not listening, I should say, and you want to listen to one thing, like listen to this one thing, <clears throat> a lifestyle of discipleship does not mean that every conversation is about Jesus. It means that you see every conversation as a potential opportunity to help people discover more about God. If I could sum up everything that we're talking about, a lifestyle of discipleship does not mean that every conversation is about Jesus. But it does mean that you see every conversation as a potential opportunity to help other people discover more about God. That's what I mean by a lifestyle of discipleship. And look, there are a lot of approaches to discipleship. It's a lot like Bible versions. The best one is the one that you actually use. So if you've got a, a great program or system for making disciples who make disciples, man, good on you. Teach me and let's learn together. But if you're looking for something to do in order to develop this or bolster what you're already doing, here's a couple of things that I got. And, and I, I want to also just add before I, before I dive in quickly, and it's, it's going to be quick. The idea of the things that we're talking about these two weeks that we're spending precious time discussing is not easy. It's going to challenge almost every one of us 
in where we are in our walk with the Lord. And it may even, like I said last week, run contrary to things that you've been taught in the church and even things that you've seen modeled for you. So this is going to push against some of us. And I understand that. Trust me, I, I've been challenged in the same ways that many of you are being challenged as well. And I've had to really, truly, and consider my life as a follower of Jesus. Because as I read Luke 10 a couple of years ago, maybe a year and a half, two years ago now, I looked at the description of what a laborer is, somebody who goes out among the harvest looking to reap that harvest and bring people to faith. As Jesus describes it, I realized I'm not a laborer. I'm not what I see here in Luke chapter 10. I'm not meaningfully engaging my family, my friends, my neighbors, my co-workers, even strangers. I realized that I wasn't really a laborer as Jesus described one. Yes, I tried to live a life guided by Christian principles. And yes, I had occasional conversations with people that involved spiritual things around me. But I lacked the one thing that Jesus commanded me to have. New disciples. Go and make disciples. He didn't say go and take current believers and disciple them more. Although I said that's part of the process. He said make disciples, baptize them, and teach them to obey. That's the context of Matthew 28. It's discipling people into a relationship with Jesus. Let's just look at Matthew 28 real quick. We're going to start in verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. That verse right there, how would you describe their behavior? What, what is that? They went to the place where Jesus had directed them. One word to describe what that is. Obedience. Obedience. Okay, great. Verse 17, and when they saw him, they what? They worshipped him, but some doubted. So we've got obedience, we've got worship, we've got doubt. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Does it say there in verse 18, and Jesus came to said to the ones that who weren't doubting? Did he, did he segregate those who doubted and those who worshipped? No, I think it's important to point out that just because you're doubting whether or not you think you're called to do this or not doesn't disqualify you. He says, everybody, I said, all of you, all authority in heaven and earth have been given to me. And then, boom, go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son. Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Make disciples, baptize them, and teach them to obey. That order is not arbitrary. What I'm suggesting in response to Luke chapter 10 from last week and Matthew 28 from this week is that we need to move the starting line of discipleship. We disciple people to conversion and then through conversion and beyond. Discipleship does not start with a Christian in the church growing their understanding about who God is. That's different. I get it. Different than almost everybody sees it. But what we read here in Luke 10 and in Matthew 28, the line starts before conversion. We disciple people into a relationship with Jesus. And this may seem like a simple adjustment but what I believe the Bible is teaching here has significant impact for believers because the Great Commission just became a whole lot more involved. If the starting line for making disciples is pre-conversion, then our ministry circles just went out to the lost. Everybody's just went out to the lost. Not just the people up front here, the professionals. 
He commissioned all people, right? And if that line just got moved to pre-conversion, then everybody's circle of ministry just went to the lost, regardless of where you are in your faith. Again, this is serious stuff. And I realize this is challenging, and some people are just going to take it and let it go, and that, that's okay, I think, for now. But some of you are going to be like really challenged by this, and I hope that you hear me. If Jesus' way of reaching the world is through his church, through his people, and he's commissioned us to go out and live a lifestyle of making disciples, then do you think he gave us what we need to do this? If he told us to do it, did he give us what we need? All of us or just some of us? All of us. I agree. And the number one thing on that list that he gave us to help accomplish this is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit gives us courage, strength, desire, even words at times when we're out there among the lost, interacting with people as we seek to live this out. Okay, I'm done making my case on this. What does it look like in your life? That's what you're asking. Like, come on, dude, let's give me some practical things. Where do we start? All right, key points for developing the lifestyle of discipleship. Are you ready? Number one, prayer. We learned from Luke chapter 10 where Jesus said, pray earnestly to the Lord that he would send out laborers into his harvest. But not only that, not only are we praying for laborers, we're praying for our own hearts to want to carry out this mission. We're praying for opportunities to begin these kinds of relationships. We're praying for courage. We're praying for strength to do these things. We're praying for other believers to join us in the work of making disciples who make disciples. One thing I've learned in this journey, that if you're not around other people who are committed to this kind of lifestyle, you will not do it. I'm just, for two years I've been walking down this journey of, of, of making disciples who make disciples in a, a new sort of way, and, and new for me anyway. And what I've learned is if you're not doing this with other people who are committed to this kind of lifestyle, you're not going to do it. That's just the reality of this. Because it's hard, my, my friends. It is. Community is always important. Always important. But more so when things are difficult and challenging. So prayer. Prayer is first. Next, priority. In order for this to become a lifestyle... It's got to be a priority in life. It's like anything, really, in life, right? If it's going to happen, if you want to eat better, exercise more, you want to read the Bible more, fill in the blank of whatever it is that you want to do, it has to be a priority or you're not going to do it, right? We can all attest to that no matter what it is. But there's one important thing to note in this prioritization of disciple-making because I hear people all the time going, man, I just, I'm so busy. i got so many things going on. And that's, yes, I understand that. <laughs> I get it. But here's the thing. What I'm talking about doesn't mean changing what you're doing as much as it means changing how that you do it, how you do it. Remember I said a lifestyle discipleship doesn't mean that every conversation is about Jesus, but that you see every conversation as a potential opportunity to help people discover more about God. It's in our current everyday doing, the things that we're already doing that would begin to make some changes about how we do this. For example, let's just say you're a busy mom, right? And you've got kids and you're taking them from dance to soccer to this to that. And, and I get that. Like that's the season that some of us are in, right? 
But as you're doing that, let me ask, when you're parked in the parking lot waiting for practice to end, what is it that you do? Do you wait in your car and just chill out? Or do you get out and begin to engage other parents in meaningful ways? You see, you're not adding things to your schedule. You're just leveraging your schedule for the sake of the gospel. That's completely different. But it has to be a priority. Otherwise, we won't do it. Because who doesn't want to, as a young mom, sit in the air conditioning and take a quick nap? And that's fine if you do that. I'm not telling you not to do that. But certain areas of our lives need to be leveraged for the gospel and things that we're already doing. And maybe some of you are going, you know what? I hear you. But Trace, I don't know how to interact with people in conversation where it doesn't go beyond talking about the weather or how terrible the Dallas Cowboys are. I'm sorry. That was not supposed to say Dallas Cowboys. Yes, it was. Any Cowboys fans? I should have asked first. Okay, none. At least none. They're going to raise their hand now, right? Priority. This kind of thing has to be a priority in lives. Okay, next is practice. Following off on that last comment about not knowing how to engage people. For most of us, having conversations with people around us about basic things is not that big of a deal. Some of us are a little introverted and it's, and it's kind of, but just, okay, I can make small talk. Not a big deal. But being intentional with those conversations to lead somewhere spiritual, man, that's a whole different thing, right? Like when you're like, you're telling me now I've got to bring spiritual things into the conversation. Yeah, I, I can't do that. But let me just tell you, it can be done in a way that isn't weird or creepy or forced. I promise you, it can be done. Sometimes in the beginning, it may be weird and creepy and forced, but that's where the practice comes in. You don't get better at things if you don't practice it. So I'm going to offer you a tool here in just a minute that's going to help move you in the direction of intentional conversation. But let me just do a quick check. Does every conversation need to be about Jesus? No. Okay, just make sure. Next P, perseverance and persistence. This is where the rubber meets the road, right? When it comes to being ambassadors of Christ, ministers of reconciliation, good stewards of the Great Commission, which all of us are told to uphold. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes consistency. It takes a lot of prayer. It takes a willingness to be vulnerable. It takes a lot. This is is tough stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I understand that. But when Jesus talked about being a disciple of Jesus, he told us to consider the cost. Consider the cost. You can read it in Luke 9, you can read it in Luke 14, and you can read it in Matthew 8 if you really want to go and look. But let me just read to you the verse that I think sums it up, and that's Luke 9, 23. And he said to them, if anyone would come after me, this is Jesus talking to the disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So there's an, an aspect of sacrifice that is inherent in being a disciple of Jesus. We understand that, right? I think intellectually we understand that. But when it comes to application in our lives, we're like, eh, I'm not sure. Sacrifice is really the word I'd use. Maybe it's just minor inconvenience. No, no, no. Luke 9.23 is very clear. It's sacrifice. It's tough. Especially in the beginning. But I can attest to you, my friends, it does get easier. As you persevere and persist and allow the Holy Spirit to work 
through you and you begin to see people out among the harvest give their lives to the Lord through your intentional interaction, allowing the Spirit to work, there's no greater purpose and joy in seeing that take place. So there's a, a persistence and a perseverance aspect of this as well. And then we've got people. Who are the ones you are to initiate with? And of those, who are the ones you're trying to disciple? Because you can't just go and disciple everybody. Because not everybody wants to be discipled, right? Well, based on our time spent last week in Luke 10, I'd answer and say that there are people in our lives that the Lord has already been at work in. We just need to interact enough to find out if one of them, they're one of those people. I was talking with my son uh, last week. Uh, some of you know him. He's in seminary in Texas, and he is at a church they meet in a YMCA. And he's responsible for opening the, the YMCA, and he gets there early. And so a couple weeks ago, he was sharing, me, sharing with me a story. He, he shows up, and there's a dude sitting out front waiting to go in and work out. YMCA wasn't open yet, but it was open for church. And so he could have walked out there and go, hey, man, YMCA is not open for another 30 minutes. Just come back. But instead, he goes, hey, what are you doing here? Well, I'm here for the, the YMCA to work out. He goes, oh, well, you know, it's not open right now, but church is open if you want to come in and, and have a seat. And he begins to engage him a little bit, kind of asking, like, hey, so what's, what's your spiritual background? You know, what, what's, what's your story, basically? And the guy goes, this is weird. I, I've been thinking just this week, I want to know more about God. And, and I don't know how to do that, and so... My son's like, Here, here's a Bible. He went off to the table, grabbed a Bible. He goes, this is John. Just, just start reading. Let's exchange phone numbers, and then if you have any questions, text me. And that was it. Well, in the middle of the week, he gets a text from this guy. It's a picture of John. He goes, is this where I'm supposed to start? And he's like, yeah, well, that's it. Dude comes back to church on Sunday, starts asking more questions. Look, all I'm saying is there's people everywhere. The, the harvest is plentiful, my friends. But if we're not intentional just to ask the question and begin, that dude could have just been another weeks, months, years, who knows, until the Lord brought somebody else who was willing to engage them. Luke 10 describes that individual as a person of peace. Someone who has an interest in hearing about spiritual things, and in particular, things about God. And that process is not as difficult as it may seem. And I don't have a lot of time to go deep into it, only to tell you that I have a tool that I want to show you guys. I want to briefly walk through it. And the best way I can do it is just kind of give you an example of it. So that tool is called the Conversation Quadrant. Anybody familiar with this? Anybody heard of this before? A couple of you have. Okay. So this is you engaging in conversation intentionally. So... Here's step one. <clears throat> Casual conversation. Upper left-hand corner. Hey, how's it going today? Uh, again, this can be creepy, so this is the part we need to practice. Like, if you walk up to a mom with her kids at the park and you go, so you come here often? It's probably not going to go over very well, right? But you can look for the guys and the dads who are with their kids and be like, dude, is it like crazy hot today, right? You just, whatever the small talk is, it doesn't matter. We all know how to engage casually. But the reality is, if we're not intentional, it will end there. Right? So, we move through the quadrant into meaningful conversation. Okay, 
well, how do I do that? We ask a simple question. After you have developed a little bit of the conversation and you start to know a little bit about this person, you can ask simple questions like, hey man, how's your week been? Anything exciting happen? What are you thankful for? Just, and you will, you will be surprised how many people just turn that corner with you. They begin talking about themselves. Just simply ask questions that lead to more meaningful things. And if they continue down that path with you, ask another question. Oh man, that's cool. That's so awesome. I'm glad that you're getting to go to the concert this weekend. Anything happening in life, man, that's just really got you stressed out right now? Well, yeah, actually, um, I just lost my job. Dude, I'm so sorry to hear that. That's tough. Would you mind if I prayed with you? What would it look like if, if God could do one miracle in your life right now? What might that look like? Can I pray with you about that? That sounds weird. It does. But you'd be surprised, again, how many people walk down this path with you. Now let me pause right here and say, this quadrant isn't always in one setting. Right? Maybe you have... Let's go to the sports analogy again. You've got kids that are playing sports, and so you spend a couple of weeks just developing casual conversations with some of the other parents. And you take note in your mind, maybe even write it in the casual box, okay, Barbara and Joan and Philip, I had casual conversations with. And next time, I'm going to engage them, try to engage them in a more meaningful... There's intentionality in the relationships that you're developing, right? And then you eventually move to spiritual conversations where you involve the Lord and potentially prayer. And then the last one is discovery. Again, we're trying to find people of peace, people who are interested in hearing about the things of God. So you may engage somebody meaningfully and turn the spiritual corner and they close the door. And you're like, I want, I, nope, I don't want to hear anything about that. Awesome, the Lord bless you and keep you. In fact, if you continue to read Luke 10, it tells you to dust off your feet and move on. And I've had to really swallow a weird pill on this thing because that sounds wrong. Like, no, 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 you need to hear about Jesus. You're lost. You need to be saved. That dude don't want to be saved. Right? The Lord is not at work yet in them. And you shoving the gospel down their throat isn't going to help the matter. If we believe Jesus and he says the harvest is plentiful, there's people everywhere that want to know about me, then we should take him at his word and do our best to find those people. And then you'll know when they turn the spiritual corner and you say, can I pray with you? And then that'd be great. I don't know God and I don't know anybody, but I, you want to pray with me? Pray with me. Great. Let's pray. Before I pray, would you mind if I, your story reminds me of a story that I, that I heard one time. They begin to tell them a story about Jesus in the boat and the storm and the disciples freaking out. And they see Jesus asleep in the boat and they panic and they wake him up and he's, Jesus says, cease, stop the wind, the rain, everything stops. And the disciples go, who is this? That the wind and, and the waves obey him. Would you be interested in hearing more stories? And maybe, maybe I can even show you a way in which you can begin to encourage your own family with stories from the Bible. I'd, be, I'd love to sit down and help you discover more about God that you can help others in your circle discover more about that. This is one simple example. As I said, there are many ways... 
to, to develop this kind of lifestyle. This is one simple way. So the question is, where do I start? And I'm going to wrap up with this. You start with what the Bible calls your oikos, your circle, your people around you. Does everybody know what concentric circles are? So if you're in the middle, you're here, there's one circle around you, a small circle, and then there's another circle a little bit bigger, and they then go out. It's concentric circles, right? And so the average person has a minimum, minimum of 50 people in their immediate circles around them. And if you doubt that, Lee's looking at me like, you're out of your mind. If you doubt that, I want you to go home and write down the acronym France. <clears throat> and then just start writing down names. And tell me you don't come up with 50 names of friends, relatives, acquaintances, neighbors, co-workers, classmates, and then just people that the Lord would bring to your, your mind. So we start here. You don't have to go out to the park or to the Walmart parking lot and just start knocking on people's windows. You can do that. But why don't you start with the people that mean the most to you? And find out if there are persons of peace that want to begin to engage with you. And then go into the next circle. And then into the next circle. And eventually you're going to find yourself running out of those 50 people plus. And then you're going to be out among the lost. Because the reality is a lot of Christians have a bubble that is comprised of other Christians. Primarily other Christians. So how is it that you're going to engage people meaningfully if, if all of your friends and people on the spend 99% of your time with already believe what you believe? That's a beautiful thing, I think. But not in terms of making disciples. Who make disciples? So we begin to expand that circle. All right. I'm going to close with this. Three opportunities, three challenges to move forward. One is, man, just... Just pray. <laughs> Meaningfully, seriously sit down and pray and go, Lord, what, do you, what would you want me to do with this information? Because if this is what you've called me to do, to make disciples and make disciples, i got to do something more than I'm doing. Maybe that's you. Pray. And then as you pray and you want to learn more, I'd love to sit down with you. One-on-one, -on -one, you and your family, you, whatever, to discuss what it might look like in your life to develop a lifestyle of discipleship. Maybe you're a little bit further along in that walk and you're like, no, I think I've, I've, I've got this. I'm, I'm ministering to people around me. You know, I'm talking to my coworkers and all these kinds of people, but I want to take the next step. I invite you to go prayer walking with me. I go every week. I go to a park. And I just engage people, strangers that I don't know. And I walk through that conversation quadrant that I just showed you. In fact, we went on Wednesday, me and two of my buddies. We got four phone numbers of people that want to hear more stories about God. Just by simply going, hey man, we're in the neighborhood, praying for people, love to pray for you. How can I pray for you? So prayer walk with me. And then the next, the third one is maybe the biggest challenge. And that is to go through a six-week training of how to do this really, really engaging, challenging training for six weeks. It's on Zoom. 
if that makes you feel better. You don't have to leave your house. But if you're interested in going through a training where I'm going to break down more of this and show you how you can implement these things. And, and, and a lot of it is just Bible study, really, practical Bible study, um, along with some other challenging things that are going to help you develop some of these skills. But um, prayer and sit down one-on-one if you're interested in that. Prayer walking with me. I'll go to your schedule, whatever that might look like. Or being a part of this six-week discipleship training that I'm going to start in the, in the very near future. A lifestyle of discipleship doesn't mean that every conversation is about Jesus. But it means that you see every conversation as a potential opportunity to help people discover more about God. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the fact that you've called us to such a time as this. And God, your plan for reaching this world is your people. And God, we want to be obedient in that. Help us to determine, Lord Jesus, through your spirit, the ways in which we can more practically live this out. And Father, I know that each one of us comes here this morning on a different level, in a different place. And that's okay. That's that's just where we are in our maturity level. And for some, this is going to be extremely challenging and, and doesn't seem like there's any way that we could apply these things. Others are are like already doing it. And everybody in between, Lord. So my prayer, God, is that just that each one of us would would really consider how you desire for us to, to grow and to move forward. So show us that, Lord. Holy Spirit, move in our lives. Encourage us. Burden our hearts for the people in our oikos, in our circles. God, and even show us that there are people all around us who desire to hear more. We just need to be available. We ask for your help. In Jesus' name.